At the core of the heart of anger is an idolatrous, selfish heart that thinks our understanding is better than God's. That we know what is best, that we know what is good, and that God doesn't. That's a warped view, and we need to confess that angry Christians are those who do not have a right view of God. Thanks for joining us for this Thursday edition of Equipping the Saints, featuring the Bible teaching of Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. Greg, today we'll see the correlation between anger and depression. I think it's important to provide a caveat to this message. Indeed it is, Dave. You see, today's message is not a comprehensive analysis on the issue of depression or medication, So if you're on medication for depression, don't run out and stop at cold turkey. Always consult your physician before making any changes to any medications that you're on. What we're talking about today is what the Bible addresses, which is our thinking. And it's from our bad thinking that sin arises, which often results in depression. Now today, we're going to see in Jonah's depression that it is a result of his anger, which was caused by bad thinking and a warped view of God. And for Jonah and for us, the cure to depression, first and foremost, will be a change of mind and a change of heart. Our text is Jonah chapter 4, and in preparation for our look in Colossians, we want to be looking at verses 1 through 4. Well, be sure to stay with us for the end of today's broadcast. Greg will join us in studio with some practical application, and I'll also be back with information on how you can obtain messages from the series for your own library. Now, let's join Greg for today's teaching. And underneath that attitude is a lack of submission, as we saw in Jonah's life. You say God works things together for good all day long. You know the truth like Jonah did. But as long as you're angry, you don't believe it. Jonah knew truth about God, but this truth was warped. It was evil to him. And as I've shared, there are a lot of you out there who see things as evil to you. You are in a dangerous situation spiritually when this happens. For you have in your heart rebelliously rejected the truth concerning the fact that God is good and that he does everything for good. So instead of praising him, you're angry. Instead of Jonah praising him for his great goodness, this tremendous salvation, he's angry. Did Jonah have any good reason to be angry? No. Do you have any good reason to be angry? No. Are you willing to admit and repent of an idolatrous, selfish view of God? If you're still angry, there are deadly consequences coming, and we're going to see that in Jonah's life. So first of all, how can we avoid these consequences? We need to understand at the core of this type of anger, this anger that is not one in which you have confessed or the sun does not go down. It's the sun has gone down in this anger. At the core of this is a warped view of God, warped by evil, self-centered, Jonah's thinking, selfish thinking, seeing things through your own light rather than what God has revealed. But secondly, we need to recognize there are deadly fruit and consequences to this. Again, verse 1, Jonah 4, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. It was a great evil to him and he became hot. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall us, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, 
Please take my life from me, for death is better than life. Take my life, he's saying. Jonah's saying, just kill me. He's having a supreme pity party. This is the conclusion of his selfishly angry prayer. Just kill me. Why? You saved the Ninevites. See how crazy that is? It's warped. It's messed up. You did good, so kill me. I can't take it. I'm angry. We need to recognize when you harbor anger, you're not going to see things right. You're going to give Satan a place and see things all messed up. You're going to give evil, satanic thoughts a place in your mind. This is a satanic thought, not a godly thought. Now, some of you might say, well, wait a second. What about Elijah cried out wishing to die in 1 Kings 19.4? And indeed, many have noted the portion of this prayer is similar. But I need to make it clear that the circumstances are totally different. Elijah was discouraged under the juniper tree based on the fact that Israel had apostatized and he had Ahab and Jezebel and their great apostasy. He was discouraged because of their sin. He wasn't angry. Jonah's situation was totally different. He was angry that God saved the Ninevites. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better than life. Now, we don't need to be rocket scientists or psychiatrists to see that Jonah is depressed. Take my life from me. These are dangerous things to be pondering in your heart. They are satanic things. Now, even the world observes rightly that anger and depression always coexist together although they would not agree in the cause being sin and sinful, stinking thinking. Listen to what the Suicide and Mental Health Association International says. Depression and anger are always two sides of the same coin. They are behaviors most used by survivors to cope with their damaged lives. When you see depression, you can assume anger lies buried beneath the despair, though it may not be obvious. Anger is always a companion of feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. When one is depressed... All seems hopeless and nothing seems worth doing. One asks, why continue living? That's from the world. They see that, but now they do not go forward at that point and show the cause, as God does in his word, to be wrong thinking concerning the nature of God and what is happening to us. Jonah's in a deep depression. Kill me, Lord. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to go on. At its core is ungodly anger based on a warped view of God. Believers, stop going to the doctor to get antidepressants. Humbly get into the Word of God, as we will see. Now, I'm not telling you that if you're on antidepressants to go stop immediately, talk to your doctor, and then go through a process and get off. But if your doctor says, take this, this will help you in your depression, take this instead, you need to see what you're not believing concerning what God has said. We're going to see God go right to the heart of this with Jonah, and I believe with us. Repent of your stinking thinking. Renew your mind so that you prove what God's will is, not what Satan's desire is, which is to destroy you through your own actions. Instead of praising God for his wonderful salvation of the Ninevites based on his glorious character of grace, compassion, mercy, slowness to anger, abounding in love and kindness, Jonah's angry and he's depressed. And maybe you're angry and depressed as evidenced by your lack of praise for who God is. You need to repent if this is the case. Now, we're all tempted. We're all tempted to be angry. We're all tempted to fall on this. And we need to be warned by the words that we don't get to this point. 
But if you're at this point, you need to confess. You need to humbly repent of your view of God. Now, one thing I need to clarify, I'm not talking about being discouraged because of your own sin, which you've repented of, or others in the church. It's discouraging when we fail. It's discouraging when others fail. Elijah was discouraged. In the New Testament, it says that God is the God who comforts the depressed. Paul said the word depressed means downcast. It's not what he's talking about. Paul was not angry at God and therefore was downcast. He was downcast because of the state of what was happening. Because he loved the church so much. He said, who is led into sin without my intense concern? He wasn't angry. But Jonah's angry. And there are always consequences to sin. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will rape. And God is so good. He doesn't want us to go down that path. He could have zapped Jonah here, but he didn't. And he's doing it for our benefit too, so that we won't go down that path. He is a good God, a compassionate God, a gracious God. He doesn't want you to go this way. He loves you. Maybe some of you are looking at your circumstances, whatever it is, finances, people, jobs, life, whatever it is. And you're saying in your heart of hearts, death is better than life. You may not be running out thinking of killing yourself, but in your heart of hearts, you're saying, you know what? It would be better just to be out of here. Let me remind you of the satanic danger of anger as revealed in Scripture. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. God commands you to do this. And do not give the devil an opportunity. You want Satan to have a place in your life? Stay irritated. You want the enemy of your soul to have a place in your thinking? Do you want to think like Satan? You give Satan a place if you stay angry. So many believers are in disobedience to this command and give our arch enemy a place, and their thinking is all messed up. But God is going to go to the heart of the problem here. He's going to skip all the counseling sessions and go right to it. Before I share that, I want to share some passages on anger. First of all, the blessing of being slow to anger. I'll mention these first. Proverbs 14:29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. He understands. But he who is quick temper exhibits folly. It's a fool. Proverbs 15:18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. If you got a hot temper, there's all sorts of conflicts around you. Because it's all about your desires. Jonah's desire, Nineveh, not be saved. Didn't happen, he's mad. But the slow to anger pacifies contention. Proverbs 16.32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger. Discretion, he understands. He's discerning. That's why he's slow to anger. In the context, Proverbs, of the fear of the Lord... Proverbs 29.8, scorners set a city aflame, but wise men turn from anger. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the Holy One. Proverbs 19.19, a man of great anger shall bear the penalty, for if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. Proverbs 22.24 and 2.25, do not associate with a man given to anger, or go with a hot-tempered man, lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Proverbs 29.22, an angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. Somebody's got a hot temper, they're saying, ah, the circumstances, this is why I get angry, but you look there in that life and there's transgression everywhere. Whatever they say. Proverbs 30, 
33, for the churning of milk produces butter, and the pressing of the nose forth blood, but the churning of anger produces strife. Ecclesiastes 7, 9, do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. You may want to examine yourself too. Jonah was saved, but you may want to examine yourself if you're always angry. See if you're in the faith. We'll talk about that later. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger. But God says because of Christ, we can choose to abide in Christ. We can put off these things. We are no longer captives to sin. I don't have to offer myself to anger anymore. I can offer myself to Christ who saved me. Colossians 3.8, but now you also put them aside. Anger wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. And don't lie to one another. Don't live a lie by being angry. Believer, are you depressed? There's an extremely high likelihood that underneath your depression is anger that you allowed the sun to go down on. And Satan has a place in your mind and your thoughts are evil. Jonah's thoughts were evil. He saved, but they were evil. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better than life. Jonah should have been saying this instead. It was incredibly difficult for me to go in the midst of those ungodly pagans, Lord, those wicked pagans. But I praise Thee that You changed their hearts and they have repented because You are a gracious, merciful God. It has been awfully difficult, Lord God, but I see what You're doing. It is good and I praise You for it. But Jonah says, take my life instead. So what does God do at this point? Does God recommend years of counseling? God is very gracious to us. And he gets right to the point. Verse 4. And the Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? And this phrase can be translated this way, and I prefer it this way, although both convey the same thought. It could literally be said, is doing good angering you? What did God do? He did good. Is my good that I did at Nineveh angering you, Jonah? To Jonah, it was evil. And that's why it's so important to see verse 1. It was evil to Jonah. And God says right away, it's the core of his anger and the core of his issue, which is a warped view of God, is doing good angering you. Is my doing good to the Ninevites angering you? God flat out addresses Jonah's error just in one statement. And he has to keep going because Jonah doesn't respond. But I believe as we will see the testament that Jonah ultimately did respond is that we have this book. Verse 1, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. It was evil to Jonah, not good. That's the bottom line of all your anger. You're seeing things as bad. You're seeing the difficulty in your finances as bad. You're seeing the difficulty, or maybe God's discipline. Maybe you did blow it, and you're being disciplined. But you're seeing it as bad rather than good. Maybe you didn't blow it, and you're suffering. And you're seeing it as bad rather than good. God saves us. He justifies us. He declares us righteous. Then He sanctifies us. He sets us apart from sin. That's part of salvation. We have been saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. And we are taking an element of salvation, God's loving kindness and mercy towards us, and we're saying, not good. And we're angry. 
And God says, is doing good angering you? It's good. Wonderful passages. The Lord is good. He turns evil to good. Joseph knew this as he was treated very bad. He could have been so angry at Potiphar. He could have been so angry at his brothers. He could have been so angry at his dad for showing favoritism and making things bad for him. He could have been so angry at all kinds of stuff. For the guy who said, I'm going to tell the Pharaoh, he didn't tell him anything, he stayed in jail longer. Genesis 50, 20, as for you, you meant it for evil. Okay, you, that was your motive. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. He who is slow to anger has a great understanding. Psalm 119.66 Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will believe thy precepts. Their heart is covered with fat, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. That's the opposite of Jonah. It was good that I was afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Familiar passage, hopefully it makes more sense when we share it today, Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And here's what He's doing in that good. For whom He foreknew, He predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. All the bad you think is bad is actually good, if you love the Lord. Let me ask you this. Are you an angry person? Is God's doing good angering you? Your answer to this question is crucial. So then we've seen the Lord confronts Jonah's twisted perception with his word. Directly the problem, you think it's evil, Jonah, is my good, is my doing good, angering you? And the answer is what? Yes. He saw it as evil and he's angry, but it's actually good. It's actually good. So how can we avoid the deadly consequences of anger? First of all, recognize the angry man or woman's core view of God is warped by evil, selfish thinking. It's stinking thinking. It doesn't line up in the Word of God. Seeing things wrongly, not as what God's Word would say. Seeing your circumstances as evil rather than good. Secondly, we need to recognize there's deadly consequences. And lastly, we need to let God's Word address our thinking and then repent. Let God's Word address what's wrong with your thinking. Don't sit there and converse all about this situation and that situation. Get into the Word of God and renew your mind with what He says concerning everything He is doing. At the core of the heart of anger is an idolatrous, selfish heart that thinks our understanding is better than God's. That we know what is best. That we know what is good. And that God doesn't. That's a warped view, and we need to confess that angry Christians are those who do not have a right view of God. Brother or sister who struggles with anger, your struggles are with the goodness of God. Admit it, you don't believe he's good. You can claim God works everything to another for good. God, Jonah claimed all about his loving kindness. But admit it, you don't believe it, and confess it. 
Brother or sister, when you're depressed, the world says take medication. The worldly church says take medication. It's like sitting on a tack and they're saying, have this pain reliever rather than pulling the tack out. Underlying your depression is some anger somewhere that you have not confessed and you've given Satan a place and your thinking's messed up. You need to confess it and be restored. God wants you to be restored. He loves you. We should be renewing our mind in Christ. Jonah was central in God's greatest work of salvation in mankind to this date. He called it evil because of his stinking thinking, and he got angry and depressed. Brothers and sisters, we need to see the trials God allows, the discipline for our sin, everything it is, as good. as from a hand of a good God. He is good. It is my prayer that you've been confronted with the goodness of God, who is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and one who relents in calamity. He's so good he would send his son Jesus to die for us, to bear the penalty for the very anger that we are playing with. It's my prayer that you'd humble yourself before him and confess. And if you're one who confesses your anger, when you get angry, you're walking with the Lord, we need to take heed. We who stand lest we fall, we could fall so easily. No temptation has come upon us except that which is common to man. We need to rely 100% in the Lord. But God is faithful. He will provide a way of escape. What about those who don't know Christ? The Lord says if you're angry in your heart, you're guilty of hell. Matthew 5.22, But I say to you, everyone who is angry, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever shall say, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go to fiery hell. But God's a compassionate God who relents concerning calamity. He will relent from sending you to hell for your sin if you trust in Christ. He's a good God, a compassionate God who gave his son for us. You need to humbly come before God and tell him that you sinned and cry out for a Savior. Then for those of us who believe, we need to be those who are absorbed in Christ. We're setting our mind on the things above, recognizing and praising him for his goodness and graciousness. Not some fake feigned praise where we're saying God is good all the time, but where we believe it in our heart and we give him the glory and we see things through the light in which he has revealed in his word and everything he is doing is good. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Friend, before we close today's broadcast, I want to talk to you directly about your eternal destiny. If you were to die right now, do you know where you would spend eternity? If you're unsure, here are some important questions to answer. 
Do you believe that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness, that you've sinned against a holy God? Do you believe that you are unable to do anything about your sinful condition? Do you believe that Jesus is God, that he took on human flesh, that he came and lived the sinless life and went to the cross and died for your sins? He was buried and rose from the dead three days later. Do you believe that his work on the cross was sufficient to forgive you of your sins? Are you willing to acknowledge that until you repent of your sins and turn to the Lord Jesus to save you, that you deserve hell and will be sent there? If you believe these things and want to receive Jesus' offer of eternal salvation, then you need to turn to him and ask him. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your son Jesus. And I pray for those listening today who who do not know you, who still are in their sins, that they would turn from their sin and trust in your son Jesus Christ for salvation, that they would be saved. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your son. And it is in his name we pray. If you've taken that eternally important step, we'd love to come alongside you in your new relationship with Christ. So would you take a moment and contact us? We'd like to send you our new believers packet. In that packet, you'll find a message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt, some helpful Bible study tools, and a Bible. It's our gift to you to help you in your new relationship with Christ. You can request your new believers packet online at etsradio.org, or if you prefer, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. And from all of us at Equipping the Saints, welcome to the family. Yeah.